2: Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. On this podcast we chat about books, the writing process and how literature has the power to change the world. I'm your host Danny V and today I'm super excited to welcome superstar duo Amy Kaufman and Jay Kristoff. You can also catch them on episode 179 and also Amy where she spoke to Will Starkers on episode 281. They are New York Times best-selling co-authors Amy and Jay Feast Upon Your Tears and Relish Your Screams. I love that description. They met thanks to International Taxation Law, which is not as exciting as this book that they wrote, and soon struck up a writing partnership based on a shared love of blowing things up and breaking hearts. Welcome to you both, Amy and Jay, once again to the pod. Yeah, it's
0: good to be here. Thanks.
2: It's good to have you back. I love having people back to see how the writing's evolved, what you've come up with next. And this is amazing. Aurora's End is a thrilling finale in the epic best-selling The Aurora Cycle Trilogy. So who wants to give me an elevator pitch for this enormous, and it is, it's a huge book. Is it—is it bigger than the rest or this feels heavy?
0: I um, think it's about the same length.
2: About the same? Okay. Maybe a they're little they're bit longer. Just,
1: they're all just chunky books. It's bits. just epic, aren't they? They yeah. are. And, you know, as we were writing it, I was doing the thing I literally always do, which is wishful thinking, which is, you know, I think this might actually come in a bit shorter. I say it every time <laughs> and I believe it every time. And every time, of course, it's, you know.
2: Yeah, it is what it is. I think the fans would be disappointed. So um, elevator pitch for this one. Hit me
0: up. This is only our our second interview, so we haven't actually got the elevator pitch down pat. That's all
2: right. You can practice here. I don't mind. (laughs)
1: Uh, You want to go, hands on
0: me? All right. Uh, Aurora's
1: end starts with... Well, we've heard a lot about the cliffhanger at the end of book two. Mm. So let's say book three starts with the squad scattered across time and space. And by the end of the book, they are going to experience déjà vu like you've never heard before. They are going to quite literally make history and maybe they're going to save the galaxy. Oh,
2: good elevator pitch. What do you think, Joe?
1: Yeah, she that, nailed was
0: that was good. That was good. <laughs> That was um, a more refined version of our first one. I think we're on the money. It yeah, yeah. totally works. That totally works.
2: I like what you did, Jake. Amy, do you want to do that one?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Delega- delegation. Yeah, that was my
2: favourite. That was good. Well done.
0: <laughs> Give it to someone better prepared, better speaking, public speaking wise, yeah.
2: Well, I think out of the three, correct me if I'm wrong, this is the most action-packed book of the series. Was this a deliberate decision, something that emerged organically or did I imagine that?
0: I don't think it was deliberate. No, it was, it's probably the most sci-fi of the three. mm. Um, Like the whole series is kind of a love letter to, you know, the properties that we grew up with as little nerds. Um, (laughs) But I think this is the most sci-fi of the three. Um, And it was definitely the hardest to write as a result. But I also, it's the one I think we're both most proud of. Uh, Everyone kind of says that in these interviews, like our new album is our best. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but, um, yeah, this is, this is definitely my favorite of the three. Uh, yeah. It, it's, yeah, it's a really fitting end to a really fun series to write.
2: Yeah, absolutely. But, what yeah, have, I, yeah. Don't, I don't
0: I don't Sorry. think we went into it trying to make it more action-packed. I think that was just kind of a, a product of where we left everybody at the end of book two and what they needed to get done by the end of this book.
1: Yeah, for yeah. sure. And, I mean, with the trilogy, you sort of, you spend two books building your giant house of cards, and in book three, you know, you don't need anything left by the end. So, action kind of comes naturally. Yeah, You're not going fun, to leave yeah. it all intact, then something's got to happen.
0: <laughs> to all yep. pieces. <laughs> that's why book three is fun. You get to knock down the sandcastle. You just spent two books and <laughs> 300,000 words thing. building.
2: I love that. Now, the cliffhanger in book two was a big deal, right? And I've read what yeah. your readers and fans say. And I often wonder, you know, your <laughs> collaboration, you know, between you two of writing bits and pieces, and I don't think you reveal the characters that you write. Do you often um, write something that's such a cliffhanger and then pass it on to the other person and go, "Good luck writing yourself out of that." Does this ever happen?
0: <laughs> no, we we plan pretty meticulously because mm-hmm. um, you kind of have to. Like if your co mm-hmm. that has an idea for a twist that they're building up with some secondary character, you know, three or four chapters from now, and then you just kill them <laughs> off as part of an action scene. That's going yeah. to ruin their big twist. So we we tend to plot. In large chunks at a time, probably about 100 pages in advance. That's
2: right. Yeah. So yeah,
0: we we know what the other we we kind of drop this massive Google document, break those 100 pages down into kind of povs, and then go away and write our individual povs. So yeah, the I mean, we often I think the end of this one in particular ended in a way that we weren't anticipating. I think mm. in the best way. Um, wow. I think we were expecting way more of a kind of you know star wars attack the death star big pew pew kind of battle at the end (laughs) Um, and as we got closer and closer towards it i think we both kind of started to feel that that was the wrong way to to sign off on this series given the themes we're kind of dealing with and the the characters that we had built so that was something that we didn't anticipate and kind of surprised us both but yeah yeah, in the in the day-to-day thing we we try not to we try not to throw each other in the deep end too much. Yeah. This is a problem that I've created for you. Here, you solve it. I'm going to launch.
1: My friend, this yeah. will never come back. I'll be, to I'll, back be I'll
0: be back. I'll be back in six days. See what yeah. you can do with it.
1: Yeah. So I mean, yeah. And and in the same vein, that, that book two cliffhanger was entirely deliberate. And yeah. we hear a lot about it and some of it, I'm not gonna lie, is like borderline aggressive. Yeah. Uh, borderline? <laughs> I don't know about borderline. <laughs> Yeah and it's oh, yeah it's been interesting that's for sure Why it was very deliberate and you know like it's book two what are you all expecting you know. Yeah I, all I stand the book by it. <laughs> I'm, I'm very proud of that book two ending I completely stand by it and I think when people pick up book three they are 100% going to see why there was no way that we could give them a little kind of traditional denouement after the end of You know, the book two finale, we couldn't give them any kind of peace or closure. We had to stop where we did because of the way the story was heading.
0: I think it's probably, it it will hopefully be worth the wait. I know Mm -hmm. it's it was a long time between drinks. It's 12 months and a lot happened in that 12 months. But (laughs) we we think it will be worth it, yeah, once you get where we start off and figure out what it is we're actually doing and how much thought we kind of put into it over the previous two books, yeah. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, it'll all be worthwhile.
2: And I think you said this before, Jay, about well, the point of writing a book is to get people to feel something. And whether that's frustration or, like I said, borderline aggression, you're achieving something if you're getting people to feel so strongly about a book. I mean, that's a win, right?
0: Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's not like we're doing it to annoy people. No. Uh, we're doing it to, to keep the them engaged story. with the story. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. And the idea that people can care so much about characters that, you know, live entirely in our heads that we that we write about when we're in our tracksuit pants and ugly boots the fact that they can make you feel anything at all is yeah it's pretty amazing whether it be happy or sad or angry or whatever yeah yeah, it it is the highest compliment
1: absolutely i I mean maybe we sort of set ourselves up for it to a degree i don't know because we do you know we feast upon your tears we laugh at your pain but the thing is when we are trying to make our readers feel that kind of intense emotional response they shouldn't think for a moment that we escape that. Mm. You don't write something that provokes that kind of response without feeling it yourself. So, you know, when we're writing something that's genuinely heartbreaking or genuinely awful or genuinely scary or or whatever, we are feeling those things too. We're not sitting back sort of cold and calculating, you know, (laughs) thinking, ah, now how shall I manipulate the reader today? You know, (laughs) we go through it as well. So... You know you just you hope you bring the reader with you
2: yeah absolutely and to have those um strong reactions you have to really care about the characters you know there's absolutely. no strong reactions if you're not loving them and caring about them and people are very passionate about these characters i love that so much it's like this cult following <laughs>
0: uh, yeah I, I would rather get an angry tweet from someone yeah. who was outraged at the cliffhanger than get no tweet at all you know, yep. than
2: a it. bored tweet <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, a boy yeah. bo- tweet is, yeah, no tweet at all. So, yeah, it, it's it's good. Like I say, it's good that people feel anything at all mm. for these characters because, yeah, they mean a lot to us too. So it's great that they mean something to the readership as well.
2: And do you think the um the whole cliffhanger thing, you know, these days with Netflix or whatever streaming service you, you use, you can watch something that's a cliffhanger and you go, ah, I'll just watch another one. So you have that option to do that, but with a book, obviously, if you're reading it, you know, as soon as they come out, you don't have that. So, maybe that's where people's frustration are coming. They can't just keep pressing play on the Netflix channel.
0: Yeah, maybe. That's actually a really good point, actually. I hadn't (laughs) thought of that before, but yeah, you're right. In terms of, in terms of episodic television, it's very rare nowadays that a series launches week by week. I've yeah. seen it done a couple of times, but usually they'll drop the entire series at once. Yeah, so so yeah, can you're binge right. It. If they if they want the next one, they can just get the next one until it's finished. The
2: good news, if you haven't started this series, because they're all out now, so you can binge all three. <laughs>
0: right, right. That's exactly right? right. You can yeah. Netflix and chill with us all. That's great
2: news for yeah. new readers of the book. I love. I was reading some of the reviews today, or some of the comments about the book, and one of the readers said is it normal for a book to look for a book that you know will emotionally destroy you? And I love that because in some ways we, we all, you know, like horror or sci-fi or crime because they, you know, we know they're going to take us into uncomfortable places. So it's really funny that people say those things, isn't it?
0: I mean, it's still, it's still a kind of compliment. Like Uh, totally. Yeah. It's still cool. And yeah, the, the most important thing is that people are feeling anything at all. And we, we do yeah. tell kind of high-stakes stories and we do sometimes pull the trigger and have awful things happen uh, and those awful <laughs> things stick. Um, but, yeah, it, it's it's all intended to tell the best story possible. And so the fact that people get anything out of them at all is, yeah, it's a huge compliment. Even if people are angry or sad or whatever, they're still feeling anything at all is great.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, we we tell stories, you know, know, at their most basic level, you know, to walk a mile in someone else's shoes. Mm -hmm. And we tell them to rehearse our fears and to figure things out. And sci-fi is known for being the genre in which we ask really big questions and then try to figure out the answers, you know, on kind of both the grand and intimate scale. And I think, you know, if you can tell the reader is engaging with those questions and if you can tell, because we don't write it to deliver answers, you notice, I don't Mm -hmm. don't say. We we write (laughs) it to ask questions. And I think, you know, any sign that the reader's engaging with those and that they're really deep in them with you, it's pretty
2: special yeah it is a win absolutely and I love how most of the readers or fans they have a favorite character you know this better not happen to this character I need to see this character on the cover they're very passionate so I was thinking when you're writing the characters particularly in book two and three when you know there's such a passionate response you know how are you thinking about their growth and their transformation throughout the series to try and you know feed the readers who are so passionate about these characters
0: I think we were really careful to make sure that everyone got a spotlight in every book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, because everyone, you know, the the entire idea behind the teams was that everyone had a different skill that they brought to the table.
1: Yeah, and they're so,
0: all vital. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so that I mean, that presents a really interesting challenge as an author. Like, you have to find something interesting to do with a character who. He's good at fixing things. You have to find something interesting to do with a character who's a diplomat. You know, she's a talker. She's not a fighter. She's not really a thinker. She talks her way out of problems. So it's cool. that It kind of stretches the boundaries of at least my abilities as an author, a lot of my characters oh. tend to just hit things until they fall over to solve their problems. So it's, it's,
1: <laughs> but it's see, a my, cool... My characters love to talk about things instead. So right. Match made in heaven. Yeah, <laughs> so it,
0: it's, it's cool to kind of stretch your limits in that way. But, yeah, yeah. We, we were careful that even though, you know, there are, there are characters that people tend to gravitate more towards just because they're kind of livelier on the page. Um, and so they tend to become fan favourites. But, yeah, we were we were really careful in every book, but this one in particular makes sure that everyone kind of had a hero moment where the spotlight was on them because yeah. they're all, you know, that's the idea behind these teams. Everyone has a vital role to play. So we wanted to demonstrate that on the page.
1: Yeah, and I think, I mean, you know, because you said how are you thinking about the way the fans will respond as you write book two and three? And I think the flip side to that is to some degree you're sort of not... Because if you start trying to write, what chasing what you think people want, yeah. you know, and when I'm a reader, what I think I want is not always what I what will actually satisfy me. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. So yeah. I think, you know, we've had all these conversations, you know, as we begin the trilogy about who these characters are going to be and what they're all going to do and what part they're going to play. And, you know, you've got to hold your nerve and not alter course, regardless of what you're hearing, you know, into... I did a an Insta Q and A the other day, and without, I mean, I would, gosh, I don't know what proportion, a very high proportion of my questions were, "Will X survive Aurora's end?" And oh, it really? read across the whole of the squad. <laughs> um, and I mean, a part of me was like, "You can't possibly think." I'm <laughs> You're answer going that to answer that question. Read the book. You know, because there is a surefire way to find out um but you know it i'll was, just cross
2: out that question i mean i'm just joking I'm so well
1: <laughs> no, but i mean it was lovely to see that it was it was spread out yeah. across everyone but i think as well you know there were things that we knew were going to happen from the start and you couldn't possibly change them just because you thought some readers might not like it yeah. you no, i to, like that i like that the and story you, know, you can tell
2: as an avid reader as well, and you, you think you know what's going to happen, I actually really like, but I can't guess what's going to happen. So if I think I've predicted everything that's going to happen to each character, I'm kind of, I get bored of that. I really like it when the authors take me and they surprise me. I'm like, oh, I didn't think about that, Or I haven't read something like that before. So I think that's really exciting as a reader, particularly if you read lots of books and you can sort of almost predict what's happening when you're surprised. It's really special.
0: Yeah, I well, um,
1: agree. Yeah. And we, we deliberately gave readers a, without being spoilery, a, a pretty big and tragic and impactful event at the end of book one, which was our way of saying to them, you don't know, no matter, no, forget what you think you know about what's going to happen, you don't.
0: Yeah, no one is safe.
1: Yes. <laughs> that was the whole success of game of thrones though wasn't it you never sure. um, attached yourself to anyone
2: because like anyone could die at any moment and it happened all the time and that was i, mean, I think
1: of... the success was that you did even though you knew that <laughs> right, <laughs> and, yeah, you know because yeah, yeah. you know, it's human nature you can't help out and looking for something to hook on absolutely onto, even if you know
2: this is a poor choice who was um who was your most devastating death in game of thrones amy
1: Oh, see, I, I'm actually, I don't know, a Game of Thrones hipster. I have never seen the TV series. <laughs> um, I, read, I read the books. Well, that's um, the same. That's okay. I know they're a little
2: different. That's all
1: right. Yeah. No, the, the night my daughter was born, which was, you know, just as the book was coming out, I, um, I was in hospital and I sent my husband home to watch the second last episode, uh, which he then did and slept through the series of texts that followed saying, uh, <laughs> oh, no. I've got into labour.
0: <laughs> um, oh no.
1: Yeah. Let's see what It's a great uh, story. I mean, <laughs> more interesting than you know a standard one, isn't it? Um But I mean, my actually my most devastating Game of Thrones death was, and I so distinctly remember it, uh, was I think probably the very first death in the books I'm reaching back like mm. I read book one when book one came out so it's a long mm. time ago but I remember reading I had this big fat book on my lap and I'm reading it I could even picture where I'm sitting and what I'm doing wow, and, that's powerful and specifically where I am you know on the deck of this house and then I don't think it's a spoiler to, to name the very first thing that <laughs> goes in <down laughs> the Thrones. but poor, poor old Ned you know gets his head locked off and I you know young reader that I was had thought this was the protagonist that I was reading about right Not knowing any better. And I I still, to this day, I remember I lowered the book and I looked up and I thought, I have never read anything like this. And then I thought, if I keep reading, stories will change. And then I made this really deliberate decision, okay, I'm going in, and I kept reading. And it was like nothing I'd ever encountered. And it was incredibly impactful death because it was the first time I had really encountered that Everyone's in danger, feeling. I've never seen anything like it before that.
2: Yeah, I think I agree with you, actually. What about you, Jay?
0: The the death that I felt the most probably Grey Wind. Rob's Rob's wolf. You can't kill a wolf, man. That's not true.
2: (laughs) I was sad about
0: Rob. Forget Rob.
2: Oh, I was sad about Rob. I just thought that was terrible. I mean, everyone was sad about Rob,
0: but you don't need to kill the dog, too. No, I agree. i say i say this as a person with a horrific track record as far as killing you. animals in my books, but, but yeah but
2: there's a website yeah. apparently you know for dog lovers that tells you if a dog dies in a book because i have a friend who refuses to read books if a dog dies in the book
0: oh wow okay
2: i respect it know your limits
0: sure. she's like sure. i want to
2: read this but does the dog die like are you good
0: yeah carry on carry on <laughs> so so they're okay with people dying, just not Apparently,
2: dying. just not the dogs, yeah. I well, mean well, sure
0: says enough, the yeah. dude who just named Greywind as well, his most devastating death.
1: <laughs> exactly, They're sure.
0: also uh, okay uh, with uh, people uh, dying. Stop me reading the books. <laughs> I guess the tone was said earlier when Ned, you knew what you're in for, but yeah, yeah. Just, I don't think there's much animal death in the first book. Come Wait on. The, wolf, the read wolf's and... too far. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. There are lines, George. <laughs> Very funny.
0: Actually, um, no. There, there is there is totally there is totally one of the wolf stars in book one. So yeah, uh, so, so is what I know.
2: Yeah. Be it on us. We
0: continue after that.
2: Like you said, reaching yeah. back—it's a long time ago now. Seeing the first one, but yeah, Ned was was very shocking. Now you mentioned your process before, which I, I may be speaking about in the last episode. Is you collaborate on the hundred pages of planning, and then you go away and write? That didn't change for any of the books. Mm-hmm
0: well we had to in in book three we planned each because i mean spoilers if you haven't read book two there's a there's kind of a sundering of the fellowship at the end of book two so the the party gets split breaking the golden dnd rule and split the party mm. and so there's essentially three different plot lines in book three and we plotted each of those in entirety even though they appear kind of braided in the third book they kind of weave in and out of each other we plotted each one as a block unto itself. Mm. Um, so mm. we, we kind of broke our structural rule in that sense because usually we, we plot as it, as we write it. So yeah. even though we might be changing POVs and changing locations, we hadn't actually done independent plot lines as entire mm. plot lines in and of themselves before yeah. now. So that, that was a bit of a change in pace.
1: Yeah, but I mean, we still kind of fundamentally, we wrote we wrote one, then two, then three, and then braided them. And yeah. while we were writing one, we would plot one as we were going and then plot number yep. two.
0: Yeah. Yep. And you make and the writing. One, one, one was the worst. We, start, oh, we, we started with the worst, which is probably good in hindsight. It, like, got yeah. it easier as we wrote it. <laughs> Lessons were when learned. We were, when we were plotting a plot, <laughs> yeah. um, we, we, were, we were thinking we had made a terrible mistake. <laughs>
2: oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> yeah. It
0: was hard. For two people <laughs> Time, not good time at travel is hard.
2: <laughs> Don't know, imagine, now you make braiding sound so seamless and easy but i imagine that's actually very difficult tell me about that process
0: well there was initially we debated whether we we're even going to do it because we yeah. were worried that the book was going to end up too complex as a result like mm-hmm. there's there's a lot happening across each of the three plot lines yeah one of the concerns was there would just be too much input mm-hmm. but so in the end we had to try it both ways we kind of okay. we had each of the plots existing as islands unto themselves. And then we wrote a version where we kind of wove them in and out. And in the end decided that was the way to go, but it was only kind of through trial and error that we figured out which was best. But braiding in and out, I don't think that took us too long. That was only a couple of days in the end. Like there's pretty natural break points. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The most important thing I think we had to establish was the, the A plot, which is the most timey wimey. If you, if you will Pardon me yeah. stealing the term from Doctor Who. <laughs> that it's probably the most confusing. It, it takes more groundwork than the other two plots to kind of set the scene of where we are and what is actually happening. Mm-hmm. So that kind of exists in a big chunk by itself to begin with just to set the tone and to establish the new paradigm and then <sighs> we start breaking up into the other stuff.
1: Yeah. But you know, each of the three has its own arc and the arcs have similar as all arcs do, kind of similar waypoints along the way, you know, things kick yeah. off, you establish the real problem, you try, you fail. There's a there's a twist where things get worse, you know, you you try and fail some more, you storm the castle, you have you reach the end point. And so you can sort of slice them all according to those
0: those beats. Those yeah. little mm-hmm.
1: beats and and put them together. Mm, that's really interesting
2: really interesting we
1: we say that like you know i mean the truth is like that's also you know a a combined decades and decades of writing experience yeah Yeah. oh yeah they just do this so you know
0: yeah and even then we didn't know what's going to work until we tried it ourselves like we had Mm. to had to kind of build a business case for it, I guess. Yeah.
2: Mm, I like that. I like the the collaboration because I think it's very, it can be, I mean, you guys have nailed it, but it can be very difficult to collaborate on one story, I think.
0: I yeah. mean, it's it's like choosing a romantic partner, really. If you choose well, then you're totally yes. fine. It's the best decision you make. If you choose a terrible like, one, then your yeah. life is going to be terrible as a result. So yeah. we, <laughs> we we both have friends who have tried and for whatever reason, it doesn't work out. It's, yeah. It's, I think it's more common than you know uh, in terms of writers trying to collaborate with other writers. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it quite seldom works out. It's yeah. quite weird in that respect, particularly given that being an author is a pretty solitary endeavour as a general rule. Yeah. It takes a bit of a mindset shift to let somebody in on your process and kind of trust each other enough to approach problems, even though you might think of, different ways to get to the solution you're both ultimately trying to get to the same solution which is the best book possible so yeah, yeah. It, it it tries and fails more often than you know <laughs> <I> Imagine <laughs> oh, it
1: yeah. would, yeah, yeah. It, it, does, but would. yeah it, it takes a lot of trust and it takes a lot of generosity and yeah. you know it takes one of the things when you're writing on your own is that You know, we often say, you know, like, you know, you've got to have all the ego in the world when you're drafting and then no ego at all when you're editing. Because Mm -hmm. when you're drafting, you're sort of piling this thing together that's only semi-good and only semi-makes sense and you've got to believe in yourself enough to keep going. And then come editing time, you've got to be willing to listen to lots of other voices. But when you're co-authoring, you can't just have that unquestioning belief in what you're doing because your co-author is always going to be doing things you weren't expecting, which is why you're writing with them in the first Mm -hmm. place. And so you've got to be able to constantly switch off the ego and just look at what they're doing and assess it and think, oh, no, that's better than my idea. Yeah, let's do that. Or, you know, I know, oh, I would have done it this way, but I'm so interested in how it will play out. Let's do, let's do yours instead. So it's it's a constant sort of, I think, fighting of an instinct that is usually quite healthy for writers. And you can, only, you can only do it with a lot of trust and a lot of generosity and a lot of really loving what the other person writes so that you come to it thinking it's going to be good before you even open the, the file.
0: Yeah. yeah. I, remember, I remember we were having the discussion about the end, kind of going back to what we are saying before
1: mm.
0: and how we both kind of felt that it was pulling in a direction that we didn't anticipate. Yeah. And we, we kind of reached independently of each other. We kind of reached that conclusion in our heads and started talking about it. And then you were just like, yep, okay, we, we can stop talking now, leave, leave it with me. Like we were kind of beating we were, we were beating the same day horse, trying to convince each other of what we were both already convinced well, of. but I was think- like, yeah, sh- shut up, just let me go and do it. <laughs> I'll, I'll be back in six days, <laughs> just leave I mean, me alone.
1: I think at first you were a few steps ahead of me because I had this uneasy sense it wasn't right, but I was right. having trouble expressing what would be a better alternative. I just, I just knew I didn't like this.
0: Right, right. didn't right.
1: feel good to me, but, you know, in this really unhelpful way. And then Jay rings me and goes, it just doesn't feel good, the ending. And I'm like, yes, go on. Um, <laughs> and he had actual thoughts on what it might be instead. And yeah, then shortly thereafter, I was like, yes, no, stop talking. No, no. Like, you know, when you've had an idea and you're almost like, don't look at me, the bubble yeah, yeah. burst, I've got to hold it. And, you know, he's like, yeah, because I just think and I'm like, no. Shut up. <laughs> Leave me alone. Which is very rare. Days. I, I, that's not usually my communication <laughs> style. <laughs> eventually, I think he was just kind of like, "Okay, I'ma go now and kinda,
0: kinda <laughs> see what going happens." Anyway. But, but that does- said, it was it was literally like we've told this story before. but Sometimes co-authoring is like, you know, the shoemaker and the elves fairy story, where the shoemaker kind of leaves out leather overnight and wakes up the next day, and there's a brand new pair of shoes there. That end sequence was it was literally like that, like. I genuinely came back six or seven days later or whatever and you had done it and it was perfect. Like I don't think, like we're usually back and forth a lot in terms of edits and that end sequence, I don't think, I can't remember changing like a single thing about it like in in terms of structure. It was just no perfect. I I almost swore then. I'm I'm not (laughs) sure if I'm allowed to swear. It was just no perfect. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, You can do
2: whatever you want here, Jay.
0: Oh, good! Really, so okay. don't, no, don't, 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 don't,
2: <laughs> don't give me license.
1: <laughs>
0: but that was that was kind of proof of that that we had made the right decision. That it came yeah. back and it just worked. Like it was just bang on. And it was
1: know. also it was just perfect co-authoring though, because it was like I don't know. I'm trying to think. I can't use a golf metaphor because I can't play golf. But it was like <laughs> it was like Jay putting the tee in a certain place and putting the ball on on it exactly where it needed to be, and then me being like, "Oh, I can swing at that." like yeah, I ho- h-
0: hockey hockey would have been better there we... you, <laughs> right. you actually you actually you, you actually do get points for assists in hockey so like
2: <laughs> there you go but look your third <laughs> interview you'll have
1: the analogies
2: sorted be
1: set.
0: that's but right that's
1: right <laughs> point being like as soon as I saw what it was I knew what to do but I mm. but Jay saw it first, before I did what it was so it's that you know, it was it was one of those lovely kind of, you know, it was a nice way to finish the series. Yeah, yeah. something that takes both brains. Mm. Yeah.
0: And it, and it just felt right. It's one of those things where you kind of see it and you know that, oh, yes, that was the way it was supposed to be yeah. all along. Yeah. And it took us, you know, 400 pages of figuring out yeah. where we were supposed to be. But once we got there, it's like, yeah, this was the way it was always going to be. Yeah. So
2: the, the best thing about your collaboration seems to be that you just aren't afraid to try stuff. You'll be like, yeah, let's try it this way, let's try it this way and then that's how you come to those amazing decisions. I
1: mean, nice thing about writing is there's not a budget. It's, we're not like directors being like <laughs> film it and see what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, we've blown up that but that didn't work. It didn't yeah, work. We, though, uh, I mean, we can
0: fix that in post, that's you <laughs> another
1: building to destroy, you know, like our worst yeah, that's so true. is time.
0: Mm. And you, know, yep. you
1: don't want to unpick something, but, like, we've done it. Everyone's done it. It's not the end of the world.
0: Yeah, and usually when you have two sets of eyes on it, you spot it sooner than you might yes. when you're by yourselves. Mm. Like oh, yeah. On my on my solo books, I've written enormous amounts of, I never say wasted, but I've written enormous amounts of words before I've realised I've started it in the wrong spot or taken a wrong turn. So mm-hmm. usually with two yeah. brains on the job and four, four eyes, you know, You'll spot it quicker than you might otherwise. So, that's one of the other great things about co-authoring. Two yeah. heads are better than one.
1: I like just, that. Um, just revised a novel and ripped out an entire POV and indeed the character who was narrating the POV out of the book. And I'm like, go a long way down that road. By and it was one sort of like, like, like the first two of my critique partners who read it were just like, but why is he here? And I was like, because, ah. Uh, oh, uh. good question. And oh, then no. just the, the staggering lack of effort that it took to remove him from the book was the dead giveaway. that in fact, He did not need
0: wow. to be there. Poor dude. What was his name? <laughs> Can you oh. tell us his name? One
1: poor one out for Dante. Yeah. yeah, right. Oh. Poor Dante. You'll get your Dante. own book one day, Dante. I'm teasing. <laughs> Cutting room floor. Never mind. Yeah.
0: Yeah. he sounds he sounds sound lovely I mean, i'm, I'm sure telling was myself
1: that he was just in the wrong novel and that he wanted off to his own well, story and that i might
2: get, get his own own little time in the sun yeah. uh, there, there was a fan question today on twitter and they said you know have you got any tips on plotting and writing a multi-pov book and you've just given me one be prepared to rip them out and throw mm. them out if, if it's not working any other tips
0: i mean make sure uh, it kind of comes back to poor old dante like make sure everybody is doing a job make sure everyone is serving a function in the narrative yeah. otherwise you can do without them yeah um and once you you know if if you built a structure like we did with six povs sometimes that means you have to rewrite the story that you have in your head to make sure everyone does have that moment in the yeah. sun um otherwise yeah there's no point in them being there and they can go hang out with Dante wherever he is right now
1: (laughs) that can be the new thing
0: that's what
1: he was doing there by the way
0: so I mean having having disparate skill sets like that we kind of built into the bones of this structure is probably a good idea make sure everyone has one thing that they are better at than everybody else and that no one else can do Mm -hmm. um and so there is you know there is always going to be opportunity for them to shine in that respect um, yeah, that, that's probably a good place to start. Make sure everyone has a job that only they can do, and that they are at some point in the novel doing that job.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah, and um, think, I mean that would that would be my advice as well. So to for the sake of adding stuff, I guess I would say um, hold your fire on trying to unpack everybody's backstory all at once. Yeah, it's okay oh, yeah. to really take your time, and you know, I mean, we unpacked one of our characters' backstories in book two, and I think if we had shared, you know, what brought her to this point in life in book one, I don't think people would have cared that much. They, you know, they, they, I mean, it's an affecting story so they would have engaged with it, but by the time they got to book two and they found out, oh, my goodness, that's what's driven everything that we've seen so far, it meant a lot more. So I think yeah. don't be afraid to hold your fire. And
0: Yeah, and, I mean, some characters are going to shine immediately just by yeah. dint of their natures and others are going to take a little bit of time to come out of their shell and into themselves. But often they're the characters that people end up falling in love with. Like Zilla is a really good example of that. In book one, she had chapters that were one sentence long because, you know, she's ultra introverted. Mm. She's socially awkward. She doesn't like being around people. So she would just share a sentence of thought and then bam, that's a chapter done. But by book three, she's kind of come out of her shell and she's more comfortable with the people that she's with. And so she has entire, you know, pretty complicated and emotionally resonant pov chapters all to herself but that was the process that kind of played out over three novels so mm,
2: that's yeah that's interesting because it must be tempting because you know you you know these characters and you have affection for these characters and it must be really tempting to want the reader to know them as well as you do straight away
0: yeah i mean it's it's kind of it's kind of like a stage play like everyone yeah. has to have this have their monologue but if you have seven characters on the stage all yelling <laughs> all at once, it's just a cacuffing. Don't hear
2: anything, yeah. Yeah, it's just,
0: yeah. A, it's just noise. So, yeah, everyone has to have their opportunity to shine, but when they're shining, then, yeah, everyone else needs to take a step back. Mm.
2: Yeah. And it's sometimes it's worth the wait for those characters. You know, like you said, Zilla, it, it's worth the wait because she's really mysterious and you think, oh, what is going on? And then, you know, you slowly, that slowly unfolds yeah. for you. So I think that's interesting as well.
1: Yeah, I think it's more, more gratifying and I think, Thinking about individual voice as well. Mm. Thinking about, yeah. you know, literally the way they talk, but also what informs that, mm. you know, like I'm not yep. talking about accents and dialects, although that can be really handy to tell whose chapter you're reading. But, you know, what do they talk about and why do, they, why do they talk about it that way? You know, what's brought them to this point? Why are they, not just what can they bring to the squad, but what are they, what brought them to the squad? Mm.
0: Yeah. And it can also be stuff as simple as like syntax and grammar and whatever, you know, the way yeah. a character like Cal talks is completely yeah. different to the way Finn talks because mm-hmm, yeah. they are different characters, but they're also different culturally. They have different backgrounds. Yeah, Cal is very stiff and formal and kind of stick up his butt on bound <laughs> guy. Yeah. And Finn is like the exact opposite of that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you, ideally you should be able to tell who's talking even without the dialogue tags yep, because they absolutely. each have an individual voice.
2: Voice, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Now, you've collaborated a bit. What defines an Amy J collaboration? What defines a book that you write together? <laughs> Easy Ooh, question, surely. Uh, uh, uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, we both just started staring off into space. <laughs> it's like, oh, this it's is so like cool. asking a, a centipede how it walks. <laughs> Defines an Amy J collaboration. Like you pick up a book and you go, "Yep, yeah, I sort of know the
2: things that I'm going to expect from an Amy J collaboration." <laughs> <laughs> Jane needs <Engel> more thinking time.
1: <laughs> there's like a there's like a I mean a surface level answer and a deeper answer and like the surface level answer is you know. Lots of action. We're in space. You know, there's a squad. It's very sassy.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, sci- sci-fi is one of our hallmarks. It's kind of high, high octane, f- hopefully funny, action-driven science fiction. Is kind of the, it's it's the superficial brand, I guess, um, or the surface-level brand. In terms of deeper stuff that we're trying to tackle, I mean, the Aurora books are really about found family. It's mm-hmm. a bunch of people from very disparate backgrounds who have (laughs) alternately worsening trauma related to family, the people that they grew up with or people that they had taken away from them when they were growing up, finding a new group of people to care about in the way that you care about family. So there's something really powerful to me and I think the aims as well in that sense, the idea that... You know, you don't get to choose the people who you call your brothers and sisters, but mm-hmm. sometimes you actually do, like finding a group of people who mean as much to you as kin but aren't actually related to you by blood at all. There's something really powerful about the idea of family that you choose rather than family that you're given. Yeah, so absolutely. that was that, that. was something that we were trying to do with the series since the start of it, kind of show this group of misfits who, you know, on, on a service level don't have a heck of a lot in common and probably have a lot of reason to dislike each other for various you know, Reasons of who they are or where they're from or what they're trying to achieve, but they get thrown into this crucible together and end up caring about each other like they were they were blood. Um, so yeah, I mean, and that's probably true of Illuminate files as well. Mm. You know, you've got six very different characters; only two of them are related, they're cousins, but everybody else is a virtual stranger. But by the end of that trilogy, they think of each other as as fam, like they're 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 a squad as well. So yeah, that that. On a deeper sense, that's probably it. Yeah.
1: I think that there's like this circus level of like, you know, it's sassy, we're in space, you know, there's a squad, it's very voicey, it's very, you know, every, there's really sort of quite, you know, strong characters who have, you know, strong voices and, and are quite distinct. Um, there's a lot of, you know, kind of shenanigans, There's a, there's a heist, there's going to be action sequences and lots of life or death situations, but... I think, you know, there's also like a, a kind of a deep thing about, you know, our, our stuff speaks to found family a lot. And- uh,
0: we said examples
1: then. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you
2: know, there does. you go.
0: It's like the. <laughs> the-
2: <laughs> I was waiting for am like, really? She going
1: to say that? <laughs> yeah. No, it does. It speaks to found family and it speaks to finding the people who will back you no matter what, even though you're, you know, even though and, in fact, because you're very different people you know, that, which I think is funny because, you know, like Jay and I are very different people and we often joke that it's lucky we turned out to like each other so much because when we started writing Illuminae, we didn't actually know each other very well and we had no idea we were going to spend months of our lives touring the world together. And, you know, our friendship doesn't work because we're very similar people because we are not. Um, It works because... We like each other anyway and because of our differences. Mm.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh, will there be another Amy J collaboration or is that a secret and you can't tell me you have to kill me?
0: Never say never.
2: <laughs> That's a nice vague answer. I like
1: it. <laughs> no, it is. The, the answer is vague. Like, <laughs> it's, you know, we are both very busy at the moment, but also, you know, we like doing this, so...
2: All right, watch this space. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining me. I, you know, loved the series. I loved the characters. I even love so much more the comments and the passion of your readers. I just, I really enjoy reading how passionate they are. And when Amy said, you know, borderline aggressive, I think it just means they're feeling stuff. So, you know, hopefully that's love. It is, it's it's a different type of love. It's that yeah. frustration, you know, where you can just watch Netflix, you can binge ten series if you like in a weekend, and you can't do that. Well, you can do that now with this
0: series. There's, I think that's a really, really mm-hmm. good point. I hadn't actually thought about yeah. that until you said it, but it's probably true. <laughs> yeah, people yeah. have less of a, a tolerance for cliffhangers now because everything is far more immediate than it that's was tough. in terms of episodic storytelling. Yeah, it's instant I think
2: gratification, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I think that's a very good point.
2: But I think it's good for you, readers and listeners, to be able to wait. I think it's a... Character building quality. But
0: right. can, yes, like yes, you.
2: exactly. You can't have everything <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah, you absolutely can't. Well, thank you so much for listeners. Amy's also the co author with Megan Spooner of Other Side of the Sky duology, The Unearthed duology, and These Broken Stars, This Shattered World and Their Fractured Light, the best selling Starbound trilogy. And Jay's author of the award winning Lotus War trilogy, the internationally best selling Nevernight Chronicles, the Empire of the Vampire series, as well as Life, Life, Deviate, and True Life. Life, the award winning Life Like trilogy. No wonder you guys are so busy. Wow, <laughs> it's huge. But you've got a lot going on, you've got a lot going out in the world, and I'm glad you do. And I really hope for another collaboration to watch this space. But thank you so much for your time.
0: Thanks so much, Danny. It was awesome to be here again.
2: Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. We'd love to engage with you on social media. You can find the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Danny B Books, Words and Nerds podcast. You can also subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Stay safe and read more books.